Well, hi again, everyone. I'm 1010 Wins Sports Director Mark Ernay. This is On The Mark, taking a look at the stories behind the stories in the world of sports. My guest today is a former ABC News reporter and anchor. You probably saw him anchoring Good Morning America's Weekend Edition for many, many years. Native of Northern California, actually worked here for Channel 5 in New York City after a stint with the Daily News, not terribly long after he got his master's from the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism. He worked in the ABC News bureaus, not only in New York, but Los Angeles, Chicago, Miami, and Boston, as I read from his uh, ABC News bio, traveled the world for international stories. And in fact, he's joining us today from uh, Mexico. And while we knew from watching GMA weekends over the years that this guy was a big baseball fan and especially a big Yankees fan, I never quite understood how big a fan he was until just the other day when I stumbled across an essay he wrote for a site called Second Acts. My guest is Ron Claiborne. And first, Ron, I want to say hi. Thank you for joining me. And uh, how are you? I'm doing well. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm good. What, what are you up to these days? I know you mentioned uh, that you're joining us from Cabo, but uh, as far as your life goes when you're not hitting the links, uh, what are you up to these days? <laughs> I know you mentioned to me... Teaching on Thursday. Trying to hit the links is trying to hit the links is part of it, uh, but I'm not playing as much golf as I would like. As you mentioned, I'm writing for this new uh, Facebook platform called Bulletin.com, uh, Second Acts at uh, Bulletin.com. Uh, so I'm doing a, an essay or a, like a column once a week. That's where you saw the article uh, about the baseball, the great baseball chase, and also uh, teaching uh, part time at Columbia Graduate School of Journalism, where I went a long time ago. <laughs> Nice. Okay. Now, I definitely want to talk a little bit about your career and how you feel about the news business now that you're no longer an active duty participant. Um, but I do want to talk about this essay that you wrote. And I have to admit, Ron, I, I was reading it last week, a little heartsick. Um, I, I felt really bad because I have not had the, um, the bad luck that you have had over the years with this quest of yours why don't you fill the audience in in podcast land if you don't mind uh, what what's going on here i want a baseball i want a baseball i want to i want and have wanted for a very long time to get a ball either thrown by a player you know that they that they warmed up with between innings or a home run ball ideally or a foul ball this has been a lifelong quest mark uh and i have thus far failed at my quest and it's become a bit of an obsession in recent years um I'm, I'm i'm it's been looking for this ball for me for 50 years and it still hasn't found me i'm reading your essay and i'm thinking and i don't know if you've had much feedback along these lines but i'm thinking captain ahab and moby Dick. <laughs> yeah that 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 elusive baseball is my great white whale um but you know i I'll tell you, some of the feedback I've gotten is hang in there. You know, sooner or later, you're going to get it. You got to You got to be in the game to, to get that ball. And a very good buddy of mine who read it the other day said, hey, hey, man, can't you figure it out? You're a klutz. Give it up. I'm not going to give it up. Well, along those, how many close calls have you had? Well, when I was living in Boston, in the Boston Bureau, um, Manny Ramirez, the left fielder for the Red Sox, you know, I, by the way, going to a Red Sox game, I felt like I was behind enemy lines. <laughs> I was I was uh, near him. He lofted an easy, 
you know, gentle ball into the stands as the inning was ending, uh, end, inning was ending. It came right to me, stuck my hands out. I had it. I fumbled it. I dropped it. I lost it. <laughs> More recently, um, during the limited uh, capacity games, one of those limited capacity games at Yankee Stadium, you know, between innings, I was hopping up and down and waving my arms. There weren't a lot of fans in the stands. Couldn't have been more than three or 4,000. And Brett Gardner, we made eye contact. I, I was certain of it. And as the, as the warm-up period ended before the inning was going to start, he fired a real rope to me, straight at me. It, it was a little bit low and to the left. I didn't have a glove. That was probably a mistake. I reached down. It hit me on the meat of my hand just below the thumb. Stung. Uh, I dropped the ball. And then from out of nowhere, another fan, uh, you know, came rushing in and grabbed the ball from me. A few games later, you know, I'm up in the and the off to uh, to the first base on the 200 level at Yankee Stadium. A ball gets, comes my way. I leap. It goes over my fingertips, and the guy behind me single-handedly catches it. So the, yeah. those are three close calls. Um, and I've been in a number of scrums and scrabbles for balls. No ball yet. Do you bring a glove? Because you mentioned you didn't have one at, uh, at least a couple of these incidents. So are you bringing a glove? I've started bringing it. I started. I went to a Scranton. I'm, I'm a, as you mentioned, uh, a baseball maniac. I, I went to a Scranton uh, Wilkes-Barre uh, Rail Riders, the Yankees Triple A team game. Um, oh, about three or four weeks ago, brought the glove, no ball, nothing came my way. Huh. Now it's it's a little. It's a, I feel a little embarrassed, Mark, to be honest, uh, being a uh, advanced middle aged guy going to a baseball game with a glove, but. You know, if it improves my odds of catching the ball, you know, when, when Gardner threw that ball to me about six weeks ago, I'm certain I would have caught it if I had a glove. <laughs> Barehanded, it's a tough, you know, it's tough. That ball's coming uh, pretty hard. Uh, um, uh, uh, so I'm going to start bringing the glove and, and trying to get in a good location. That's the key. And you have to kind of figure out where the lo most likely spot that a foul ball is going to go. And I've, I've kind of zeroed in on it above a little bit past first base or third base, 200 levels. Perfect. Okay. And, uh, you know, probably 30% of the foul balls go to those areas. So if you're, if you're in the right place, you're in the game. Well, here's my thought. If you don't mind, um, there were so many years at the old stadium where people who sat on top of the net would bring uh, fish nets, <laughs> the bag balls that rolled up. You remember um, yeah, I do. I think if you bring a glove, you know, if anybody's going to mock you for bringing a glove, so long as you explain the story, then I think you'll find sympathy. Um, my other advice, and I don't want to mention him by name because I think he gets far too much publicity to begin with, but there is a notorious home run and foul ball hound that you mentioned in your piece. So maybe if you can tag along with him. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know shove him out of the way as he's done to so many people over the years that you know that that might also help increase your chances you're talking about the guy who got the three thousands hit right. the home run by mm -hmm. a rod yeah who mm -hmm. i happened to interview he 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 has it down to a science in fact he even told me that he learned uh sign language to sign to a deaf player i can't remember who it was i think he was a I said it was a korean player uh throw me the ball I think he said, please, 
Huh. And he threw him the ball. But this guy, and I went to interview him after that A-Rod controversy when he wouldn't give up the ball initially. He must have had, I don't know, 200, 300 baseballs, you know, home runs, foul balls, yeah. warm-up balls. And I got none. What kind of world do we inhabit? <laughs> right. You, you haven't knocked any children over in this quest, right? I, I have not. Nope. Absolutely okay. not. See, because you're a good not yet. guy. <laughs> you're you're a desperate good guy but you're you're still a good guy um what was your first game do you remember first game you went to as a kid this is this is going to date myself mark i went to a san francisco giants game uh when i was probably six or seven years old Be before they played in candlestick they played in the triple uh, a team the, the san francisco seals from the old Pacific Coast League, played right. in a little box of a stadium by the uh, by the Bay Bridge in San Francisco. And I have a vague memory of having gone to that when I was a little kid. Uh, but you know, most of the games of my childhood, I, I ended up growing up in Los Angeles. We're uh, at Dodger Stadium, and even before Dodger Stadium, at the Coliseum. Okay. Before the Dodgers moved into the uh, into the stadium that they that they're in now. So you know, I've been going to games since I was a little kid. I'm guessing i've probably gone to 500 600 700 baseball games oh wow so how did you become a yankees fan along the way well i moved uh after i had gone to grad school at columbia i went back to california and i ended up coming back to new york um where ultimately i, I worked at the daily news and upi in new york and that year was 1977 ah. the year the yankees got reggie and I, you know, being a baseball fan, I was not an American League fan, and, and like a lot of National League fans, I didn't particularly care for the Yankees. But you know, that was that was the game in town. So I started going to games. I used to sit out in the in the right field bleachers. I think seats were two dollars then, and you know, they grew on me. And that was a heck of a team. I mean, that was that was was more than baseball. It was it was uh, fantastic entertainment. You know, the, the Bronx Zoo Yankees. Mm -hmm. And little by little, they just kind of uh, sucked me in. I became a, a follower and then a fan and then a fanatic. <laughs> and I want to talk a little bit about that fanaticism uh, as we move along. But I'm, I'm thinking, Ron, that somewhere in between the first game and in between the first one that you went to in 77, as an example, when did this quest become something that really ate at you? Because... Most kids, and I'm, I'm, you know, can only deal with my own experience. But most of my friends and I, um, we were thrilled just to go to a game, and a lot of us probably didn't even start thinking, "Boy, you know, I wish I got a ball in one of these games," until one of my friends, you know, actually had a ball and was able to show it off and say, hey, "Look what I got!" You know, I caught this foul ball, or I caught a home run, or you know, my favorite player or any player at some point, you know, threw a ball up and and you caught it. Um, so when did this, you know, start to bother you? Well, you know, it, it kind of, I feel like I'm laying on a couch here with a psychiatrist. <laughs> I, I think it goes, I think it goes back really to when I was about 10 years old and I was at a Dodgers game uh, and my family, we used to uh, sit out in the right field bleachers at Dodger stadium. And I was standing on the landing behind the right field fence and, uh, you know, the, the right fielder, I think it was Tommy Davis, if you remember him. Sure. Uh, as the inning was ending, you know, tossed the ball to me 
I was there alone, just, just me on the uh, little kid, uh, no glove, standing on the platform. And I fumbled that ball and it dropped below. And I remember my dad was with me and my dad saw this happening. And my dad was a, was a pudgy guy, not, not very athletic. And he moved, man, he moved like a, like a superhero and ran down the stairs and got that ball for me. And I remember starting to think then, this is a long time ago, I want to get a ball on my own. I want to earn a ball. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I never really thought about positioning myself to get a ball. I always thought, you know, if a ball comes my way, uh, sooner or later, when you go to hundreds of games, I'll get one. Only, you know, recently, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've read the, the story Pafco at the Wall by Don DeLillo. It's a great story from his book, uh, Underworld, but it's also a stand-by-itself story. And it's about this kid who gets... Um, fictitious uh, version bobby thompson's historic home run at the polo grounds 1951 and i started thinking you know what i want to get a ball like that kid got a ball and that was a, just a few years ago and then it sort of that was you know it recalled that ball that i didn't get when i was a kid with my dad back at dodger stadium i started thinking i want a ball i want a baseball i know it sounds childish um but i want one uh, and then, you know, when I was at the limited capacity Yankee games, I started thinking, well, this is a this is an ideal opportunity because there are not that many people here. So if I position myself in the right place, I'll get my ball. And then it became this uh, obsession I, I, you know, to get one of those one of those souvenir baseballs. So I'll get one. I'm, I'm, I'm on the case. I'm on the chase. You know, I'm, I'm, as I said, it's like Captain Ahab, except, you know, unfortunately, he died pursuing Moby Dick. Right. Let's so hope, hope it doesn't, doesn't kill happen. me. Yeah, yeah. hope it doesn't I, kill me. But I remember uh, I read uh, John Irving. I think it was John Irving, right? Prayer for Owen Meany. And uh -huh, he uh -huh. kills his friend's uh, mom. Yeah, we don't we don't need that. Um, no. And, and I do hope to do a follow up with you in the not too distant future for, to, to put a happy <laughs> ending on this story. Um do you have a, I know you mentioned that uh, you, you, you've sat uh, at a bunch of different places. Uh, and I guess you mentioned most recently the 200s level, which is the press level uh, at the stadium, but you're down uh -huh. in the, uh, you know, in foul territory. Um, is, is that your preferred spot? Is that your catbird seat? Is that where you try to sit, um, you know, somewhere between the playing level and the upper deck uh, down the first baseline at most places is, is, or is there somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the, that's the sweet spot. That's the zone because I mean, you know, right-handed batters are going to sometimes they hit those uh, line drives down the line, which go into the lower level uh, foul ball. But when they, when they chip one and, and loop it, it tends to go roughly for those who are familiar with Yankee stadium, a little bit, past first base around the 200 level. I mean, occasionally a ball will get up to the 300 level, almost almost uh, impossible for it to reach the 400, the cheap seats. Um, that's not my favorite place for viewing. If I, for viewing, I like behind or above the, uh, the uh, home dugout around the low 300 level. Okay. But, but for optimal, I think, foul ball opportunities, um, you know, the area I described around the 200 level. And I don't, I'm, I'm not crazy about 200 level because, uh, you know, in the summer, because it's a narrow uh, area, it doesn't get a lot of air circulation. It gets pretty hot in there. Right. But, uh, mm -hmm. 
you know, we're not we're not talking about comfort here. We're talking about we're talking about a mission. This is important. Uh, would would batting practice count? It would count, and I've tried that. But you know, if you if you've been out there before the games, um, there's there's quite a crowd in left field. Um, and I got to tell you, you know, I've, I've, I've come close there a few times, but those balls come, you know, they're on you fast and furiously. And, and it's a real battle <laughs> among yeah. the fans there to get one. You have to be really in the, the exact right spot um, and track it, track it all the way in and have, and have it come to you. The chances of sort of picking up one, which is scattered, bouncing around under the seats is pretty low when you got 20, 30 kids yeah. who are a lot more nimble than me or you very well I, you know, I fortunately um as far as and i don't want to rub it in but as the story goes uh, on my side I've, I've had the great good fortune of being struck by baseball lightning more than once um and i'm thinking that uh, there was a game that i went to with a buddy of mine at citizens bank park and we were actually the first ones in the building in the center field bleachers and as we were walking to our seats this is sometimes, you know, how lucky you have to be. As we were walking to the seats, there was a ball that came and I happened to stick because I brought a glove because I'm shameless. Um, I don't usually anymore, but I brought the glove and it, and it happened to settle in the uh, in the pocket. Um, but I, 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 as I was um, going back and forth with you on, on um, Messenger over the weekend, mm -hmm. um, we were exchanging messages and a buddy of mine um, who I actually share giant season tickets with um, is at a game. And I forget which game it was with his family, uh, two sons and his wife. They happened to get up for a uh, concession break. And <laughs> again, this is how lucky you have to be. Sometimes the ball actually found the seat that had been vacated by one of his sons. And uh, he happened to be sitting there and he wound up with the ball. And I thought he was joking because I had, you know, shared your story uh, just earlier that day. And he said, no, I actually have the ball. Um, and I, I, you know, again, I don't want to rub it in, but it's just, it, it's amazing how, um, how some people don't even try and they just have this dumb luck. And then here you are on this quest. It really is, you know, and, and I joked about Moby Dick, but it really is like a fishing expedition where some of us, you know, will go to all the trouble of you know, making sure we have whatever the right bait is and whatever the right line is. And I don't know if you're a fisherman and I haven't done it in 20 years, but I just know I, you know, stick the hook in the water and the fish jump in the boat. And there are other people who are sitting out there on a boat, you know, frying in the sun for nine and a half hours who get nothing. And it just it me. strikes me That's, that it's I'm, such I'm in the latter luck. group. It, it really I think, yeah, I think it is. I think I think it is. And some, in fact, today I got some reactions. People saying you're trying too hard. Just let it happen, which is interesting. Kind of a Zen <laughs> approach to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, really, what else can you do? You, you, you've tried uh, a whole bunch of different uh, ways of going about it. Um, and, and I, you know, I, and I found it fascinating, not just from a baseball standpoint as, as a baseball fan, and as a sports fan, but from a psychological standpoint that, you know, here you are and you're telling me it's, you know, over 500 games that you've been to, um, which is an awful lot of games. And um, I, I admire your resilience and and your steadfastness. And um, and I, I really wish I, you know, I, I would like to say I'd you know, I wish I could help you out, but that would sort of cheapen it, right? If exactly, and I was thinking, you know, if if anybody on the Yankees 
or any other team were to come across this story hypothetically um, and then, you know, see you around the dugout at a game and recognize you because they've seen you on TV or, or elsewhere um, and then toss you a ball, wouldn't that cheapen it a little bit? It would. And, you know, actually, some people have said it would. That would be that would be charity. And, and some people who don't get it, you get it, say, why don't you just go to the souvenir stand and buy a ball? Oh, no. And I, I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> are, are you seriously? That, you're not you don't understand what you don't understand. You just don't understand. That's not that's the, the point is not a ball. It is a game ball. And if you don't understand the significance of that, you know, I, I, I can't explain it. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's sad is that some people just really don't, you know, I mean, I, we talked about before we started uh, taping that uh, we are golfers, you certainly much more proficient huh. than I am, but uh, along the lines of your quest, I have always said that if I ever hit a hole in one run, it would be the last shot I ever hit on whatever isn't the mini golf course, because I would throw my clubs outside of the club that I used to hit the hole in one and my putter, because I love my putter. I would throw everything else, including the bag and the glove and everything else into the nearest lake. And that would be the end of those clubs. And I would never golf again, unless it was a mini golf course. Um, yeah, I would, I would love a hole in one, uh, but you know, I'd love to break 80, um, but a hole in one would be, would be it, man. But you wouldn't stop golfing and i'm guessing that if you did get this ball finally you wouldn't stop going to games either oh no 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 i like you know i love baseball and the difference between watching a game on on television or listening to it on radio and being there is it's just exponentially different it's just a, a different experience all right well you mentioned you're a diehard yankee fan i actually i, I went back this morning and i watched your send-off from the weekend good morning america which i guess is uh -huh. three years ago already yeah coming up on three years yeah goodness September. gracious and and i noticed that you know they had you in a split screen they were showing all of these tributes from uh current then current and and former colleagues but your eyes and your entire countenance was never brighter than when Derek Jeter popped up on a cameo to say goodbye. One of the, obviously one of the, one of the all-time greats in baseball, a clutch player, uh, class, um, a guy who delivered under pressure. And one of my favorites, any, any Yankee fan, I'll tell you that. One of my all-time favorites. Uh, I love that guy. I love the way he played the game. I love, I loved his passion for the game. And you had a chance to interview him a couple of years before that. Uh, what do you remember about that whole interaction? Well, I remember uh, he came into the room. Was in, we were in Michigan. He was doing a promo, I think, for Nike. And he said, uh, very, very classy guy, uh, big guy, which surprised me in, in physical stature. First thing he said was, don't ask me any hard questions. <laughs> and I, and it, it was a joke, but it wasn't a joke. But right. you know, the thing about Jeter is he, he's, um, he's thoughtful, he's smart, he's introspective, he's uh, charismatic, and it was, you know, that that was that was just an amazing opportunity to to sit down and talk to, you know, one of my one of my idols. Um, although, you know, the first thing I said to him, I said, you know, I want to ask you the question, you know, that, that's the burning question that everyone wants to wants to hear what your answer to is this how about that dd gregorius <laughs> and he now it was a joke but he he he, he thought it, uh, he thought it was a serious question so he 
you know, he answered, oh, great player, you know, terrific guy. Uh, DeGroyos was new to the team at that time. Another another favorite, uh, one of my favorite players. I love the way that guy plays the game. Um, but it was fun. And at the and a, a friend from work had said, you know, listen, if, if you know, can you get him to sign this uh, birthday card from my eight-year-old son? He loves Derek Jeter. And I thought, well, I'll see. Now. I'll tell you what, I'll, 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 if he's cool, um, I'll ask him. So at the end of the interview, I said to him, you know, you know, a friend of mine from work, her son's turning eight years old, huge fan of yours. And she said to me, you know, can you get this autograph? And he, so I said, well, I told her, if he's cool, I'll ask him. So Jeter pauses and says, am I cool? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah. So he, he signed it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I love the guy. He, he's a great Yankee. We could use him. Yeah, I was going to. Well, you could use him on the field. Um, I know a lot of Yankee fans are not terribly happy that he foisted Giancarlo Stanton on his former team. And, and I'm wondering for how further you, evidence of his of how smart he is <laughs> that he got rid of him and doesn't have yeah. to pay all that money. Um, who is your favorite player? Because we're, we're talking, you know, we're going back quite a few years to the early, you know, the uh, oh, my favorite player all time. Yes. Hands up, absolutely no question, no number, no even run or up. Willie Mays. Okay, I thought you were going to go there. I, I, I saw him play. My father kind of knew him, so I, you know, I played catch with him on a couple of occasions. Um, and here's here's one that's going to uh, amaze people, amazes me. He gave me one of his gloves, and when my when I went off to college, my parents moved. From, from the house we grew up in. And a lot of stuff went into storage. That glove was lost. Oof. Ow. Ouch. But, I mean, that guy, you know, Willie Mays, I think he's 90 years old now. He, he was the greatest player I've ever seen. You know, talk about five tools. This guy could do it all. And... Yeah. Um, and I've seen him play, I don't know, 14, 15, 20 times uh, during his career. And, and he, he was, he's my all-time favorite. I Amazing seen, player. Yeah, I've seen, obviously, the tapes and I've heard the accounts. But um, as a Mets fan, I, I was only uh, able to catch him at the very tail end where he was not yeah. that Willie Mays. And I'm, and I'm sad for that. I, I always, you know, lament that I came along a few years too late because, you know, life here in New York with the Yankees, the giants and the Dodgers to me would have just been, you know, baseball heaven. Um, and, and, and Willie certainly would have been, you know, part of that. Um, and I would have loved to have, you know, seen him and, and Mickey Mantle uh, playing at their peak. Um, I did have a couple of other questions for you as it relates sure. to your baseball quest. And then I want to get into, uh, if you don't mind, uh, some aspects of your career. Um, sure. If if you were to get this ball, does it matter where it happens? No, no, it doesn't matter. And, you know, I've gone to uh, quite a few away games in Baltimore, down to Miami, Chicago, uh, L.A., San Francisco, all around. Nope, doesn't matter where. Hmm. Game okay. ball is the is the is the key, and it doesn't matter who hits it or anything else. No, 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 no. Or who tosses it to you, or 
No, no, and I'm not going to throw it back on the field if the, if the wrong person, <laughs> the wrong, uh, if, even if a Red Sox tossed it to me, I would not throw it back on the field. I've always said you're going to have to throw me back because if I catch a home run and I've never caught, I've, I've caught foul balls and, and I've had balls tossed to me. I've never caught a home run ball. And I always said, if I catch it, there's no, you'll have to throw me back because I'm not giving it up. You'll have to. as Well, if uh, it happens, you know, it happens at Yankee stadium. I mean, the, the, and it's the, uh, it's the uh, uh, opposing team hitting it. If it's a Red Sox player hitting it, it's going to be, there's going to be a powerful, temptation and not to mention probably hundreds of people around you screaming at you oh, sure. uh, to urging you to throw the ball back. I, I, I can honestly tell you, I don't know what I would do if it was a Red Sox ball. Well, you should bring a, like a fake one, right? <laughs> scrap heap. I've seen people do that. They bring balls that they bought at, you know, one of the sporting goods stores and have been, you know, knocking it around in the backyard for a while, and it's all scuffed up, and nobody knows. They just see you throwing a ball back, but you keep it in your pocket or wherever, and then when you get a home run ball or however you get it, that's the one you throw back is the is the, the garbage the, one. The, the, the version of the hidden ball trick. Exactly, exactly, but that's there's no way. Idea. I would Thank never in a million years give up a ball. I would never. Hmm. First of that's all, they're, they're, as you are testament to, it's too damn hard to get one. <laughs> There's no way I'm giving it back. Well, talk about peer pressure. You got, you know, a hundred screaming Yankee fans around you. You know, that's that's that would be pretty hard. But they, they, they you know, when, when people don't throw it back, they eventually let it go. Uh, so, yeah, I would probably hold on to it again. O- only in the case of a Boston Red Sox home run ball would I feel, you know, it was toxic and want to want to get rid of it. Well, let's talk current events because it happened sure. at the stadium last week. Alex Verdugo very nicely tosses a ball into the crowd. Right? Yeah. Guy catches it. He's getting all this heat. Throw it at him. Or not really throw it at him, but throw it back, throw it back, throw it back. He throws it and it happens to hit Verdugo in the back. Now, was he aiming for him? I doubt it because you'd have to be really good, even from the exactly. yeah. to hit somebody on a fly. Um, we saw Stanton get hit at Fenway with a ball that was tossed back. Um, that bounced and hit him, I think, somewhere around second base. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Alex Verdugo tosses Ron Claiborne a ball, you're not going to give it back. If Alex Verdugo uh, tossed me the ball, I'd probably give it to a little kid nearby. But does that count? Or does the quest it's a written, the, the quest would have to continue. I have to bring that home and hang on to it. Just, you know, to, to, just as touching it, which I've done a few times, doesn't yeah. count. To give it to a kid, I just don't. I'm not, I'm not sure I could, could in good conscience, uh, keep a ball thrown or hit by a Red Sox. Wow, is that the only team that you would reject? I'm not. I don't have a real a warm feeling towards the Astros these days. Okay, um, understandable. If if. if uh, if Altuve hit the home run to me, threw me the ball, uh, I don't know if I could hang on to that. That's you, know, you have to have standards here, Mark. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> Altuve? Well, uh-uh, uh-uh. well, yeah, that's 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 I don't not know. good. I, that's I don't not know good. That, well, you know what? Listen, it's your story. It's your quest. <laughs> so it's your rules, right? Yeah, exactly. Mine, mine are a little bit different. Hey, what's uh, what do you remember as the favorite uh, as your favorite game attended as a fan? Oh, that's easy. Um, Derek Jeter's last home game 
remember that game where he, sure. they, they came from behind. He hit the game winning, uh, the game winning hit, you know, the crowd chanting, um, uh, thank you, Derek. I remember that the crowd was, we were all chanting, thank you, Derek. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was just an amazing game. It, it, it was, it was inconsequential because the Yankees were out of the uh, playoffs at that point, but the atmosphere, the, the chance to be there and, and express our appreciation and gratitude to this great player, this great Yankee. Um, and, and then to have him hit the game winning come from behind uh, walk off hit that, that was, that was fantastic. That was, that was, that was wonderful. But I went to, you know, I went to a few uh, Yankee playoff games and the atmosphere in any playoff game is different than the regular season, uh, but nothing quite compared to that game. The uh, final Derek Jeter home game in the Bronx, uh, uh, the crowd going wild. That was, that was fantastic. Yeah. That whole day was storybook. And it's one of my, uh, one of my uh, unfortunate uh, career bloopers was uh, describing the game ending hit live on radio um, and forgetting or missing the fact that they had put a pinch runner at second base. (laughs) Right. Two seconds later. So for all eternity now, uh, anybody who was listening to me that night and uh, whatever we have on the archives, uh, has the wrong guy scoring on the Derek Jeter uh, final base hit at the Yankee Stadium, but uh, that's my cross to bear. You shouldn't have to uh, have to be bothered by that. Um, hey, Ron, in in your career as a news guy, um, what what's the most memorable story um, for for good or bad reasons that you had the uh, the opportunity to cover? Yeah, I get asked that question, and that's a tough one. But I, I would have to say. Um, Probably, uh, I went to uh, went back to uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, where there was a it was a uh, anniversary of the integration of uh, Central High School, in 1957, and uh, I had a chance to interview the young African American girl at the time. She was 15 years old, who had uh, had shown up at uh, Central High in '57 alone and was surrounded by you know a howling, screaming mob racist mob and and essentially you know retreated and went back to her home and i interviewed her it was a powerful very very emotional she was very scarred um elizabeth eckford was her name and i also had the chance to interview a uh, the young white girl at the time uh, who had uh, is seen in these iconic photos right behind her screaming racial epithets at her and this is 40 years later and sit down with her and talk to her about that from her perspective. Why were you doing this? What were you thinking? What do you think as you see those images now and look back? So that was, that was um, a powerful, uh, emotional, memorable story, more and more so than any, any wars or political campaigns, or presidential campaigns that I covered. Um, that's one story that stands out. And, and, and I think I, I, I wrote it and told it well. So it was a, it was a personally affecting, it was an important story and it all, all the elements came together. Um, the interviews were intense and that's probably the, my most, my most memorable uh, story that I've ever did, ever done. Yes. So if you don't mind, what, what's one that you weren't assigned that you wish you had been? I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I, I've never been asked that question. I never really, 
never thought about it. I mean, you know, um, frankly, this post career, had, had I been there on January 6th outside the Capitol building in DC, that, that would have been, that would have been a huge story to cover. It would have been a dangerous story to cover. Yeah. And, and one which, uh, you know, was historic in, 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 in many negative ways. And today, or, or, you know, the hearings are opening right now uh, into that. That that would be a story that I, I wished I had still been in the business to cover. But but all in all, I, you know, I'm in a good place. Um, I think I, I retired at a good stage and age in life. So um, I'm happy. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I do want to get back to the, the baseball. I want to circle back. But I, I, I sure. wanted to get your take on um, I want to get your take on the current Yankee situation with the trade deadline coming up later in the week. But I also want to ask, how do you feel about the news business as an observer now and not, as I mentioned earlier, not on active duty uh, in the, in the trenches. You know, look, there, there are, there are a heck of a lot of pros and pros. I mean, you know, terrific journalists out there doing a great job. The, the, the news business and all the time I was in it, it evolves, it changes. You know, there are things that, uh, that are different than, than how I was trained or how, how I would do it. But at the end of the day, I think we perform still, or not we anymore, but the journalists perform a public service. And then there's, there's aspects of it which are, like I say, maybe entertainment. Um, and there are aspects of it where, where opinion has been injected into news coverage. That, you know, that's not the way I was uh, brought up, so to speak. Uh, but... It, Things change, and I try, when I watch, I, that's not how we did it in our, our day. Uh, <laughs> I understand that it, it evolves, <laughs> um, and that things cannot be stagnant. They have to evolve and change uh, with the times. Um, so, you know, I, I, when I watch, I, I sit back as a viewer and not as a ex-participant uh, and, and, and take it in and appreciate it. Now, it has been three years. Um, is there anything still about what you used to do that you miss on a regular basis? Honestly, no, no. I mean, it, it, I loved what I was lucky uh, because it fit my, my my interests and personalities and I hope my abilities for a long time. But when I when I left it, I left it behind. I remember um, I think it was Mike Messina. Remember Mike Messina, the Moose yeah. on the Yankees, when he retired at the age of 37, and I remember the, the Yankees made an offer for him, I think, for a one or two year contract to stick around. And and Messina said, uh, "It's time for me to do something else." So you know, when I when I in 2018, it was time for me to do something else, and, and no regrets, no looking back. Good, and it sounds like you're making the most of it. So back to the Jeter game, the last home game, um, in my head still. Seven years later, I have Jose Perella scoring the winning run, but it was <laughs> he who was taken out for the pinch runner. Do you remember who it was? I don't. Who was it? Guy named Antoine Richardson, who I'm not oh, sure we heard wow. from before that day. And I'm pretty sure we haven't heard much from him since. Wow. But yeah, yeah. Antoine Richardson, for some reason, never got into my uh, immediate recap, my live hit from Yankee Stadium uh, as that game ended in such dramatic fashion and i probably shouldn't tell on myself but uh we are about uh, honesty and accountability here so i um you know 
every once in a while I'll, I'll bring it back up. Um, so Ron, I want to circle back to the Yankees, uh, 2021. And obviously the season has not gone through the first 98 or so games that anybody hoped it would, um, how does Ron Claiborne, the diehard Yankee fan, see things playing out, not only recently coming off the series up at Fenway, but with the trade deadline right around the corner? You know, the Yanks are only three and a half out of a wild card, even if they have no hope of winning the American League East. How do you feel about the season? I'm not, I'm not, I'm a realist, if nothing. I'm a fan. I stay, you know, I try to always stay to the ninth inning. I, I, my mantra every year is it's a long season. It's, things happen over the course of 162 games. You know, mathematically, the Yankees certainly are in the, in the hunt for a playoff spot. In theory, I suppose they could, they could even win the division. Don't forget that 51, we were talking about the Giants uh, and the Bobby Thompson home run. You know, they were, what, 13 games out at the beginning of August uh, and caught the Dodgers. So anything's possible, but I, I just don't see this team having the horses to, look, maybe maybe we can get to the playoffs, but, but uh, you know, the World Series, you know, that's the goal. And this is not a World Series caliber team. And I don't see how any trade – you know, save for maybe Otani or, or Mike Trout, um, who's injured, could, could you know, change the trajectory uh, of the team at this point. It's not a World Series uh, caliber team. I thought they might be. There were obviously a lot of question marks coming into the year, taking a chance on uh, Tyone and, and Kluber. Injuries have not helped. Um, and frankly, uh, Aaron Boone has made some baffling, as he does every season, some baffling strategic decisions which have hurt the team. But even even with uh, you know the greatest baseball mind at, in the managing this team, I just don't see how they have the, the, the lineup to to go far. And a lot of guys aren't aren't playing up to their what we what we knew or know is their ability. I don't know what's going on with LeMahieu. This guy should be hitting three. He's a 350 hitter. He's hitting what 270 maybe. Uh, the um you know, uh, Torres, this guy used to hit 25, 30 home runs. I don't know what's going on with him. He's a 230 hitter. Uh, I love Urshela. Terrific. Stanton is a hole in the lineup. You know, I, I was optimistic about Stanton, but this guy just strikes out too much. He does not deliver in the clutch. He's not He's not doing his job. And then the outfield is decimated. And it's good to see some of the young guys from AAA up in there uh, playing and playing well, like, uh, like Greg Allen. But... Uh, that they're not the solution to the Yankees problems. The Yankees problems are, are run pretty deep. Now I'll, I'll keep going to games and not just trying to get a foul ball or a home run ball because I'm a Yankees fan. And being a fan means being there in the good times and the bad times, you know, not showing up in September when they're, when they're playing well, but being out there in April when it's cold in the beginning of the season, it means going out there even when they're not playing well, because that's, that's part of the, uh, part of the loyalty to a team. But we're looking at next year, I think, realistically, is, is the next opportunity to, to make a real run. Well, if you're Brian Cashman, what are you doing over the next few days? Are you making calls to try and get guys or are you taking well, calls? He's going to, to, he's going to do guys? that because, look, frankly, you know, the, the Yankees, there's, there's a tremendous, re, uh, I'll call it responsibility to, to, to compete, to try the best you can. I mean, I, I hope they don't give up too much. 
Um, they're going to make a deal. I can't, I, it's unimaginable to me they're not going to make some kind of deal in a, in a desperate attempt to, to you know, get back in this thing. But again, I, who, who's going to change it around? Story? You get story, then what, what? That's not going to lift them above the Jays. Frankly, the Jays and the Red Sox, and it pains me to say this right now, are better teams than the Yankees. They're better teams. You know, that's an, an objective analysis. And I don't know how, how a player or two, Scherzer would help, certainly. But, uh, you know, beyond that, I don't see how that's, that's going to uh, materially make them a better team. It'd be nice to get Severino back. It's going on two years uh, missing him. Yeah. But every time he seems to be close, he, he you know, takes a step back. Uh, Kluber may be back, but it might be too little too late. How tempted might you be um, if we go back five years and they traded Chapman to the Cubs and he eventually came back after winning a World Series? How tempted might you be to make a deal like that? Remember, they got Glaber Torres back in that deal. How tempted might you, Ron Claiborne, acting general manager, be to make a, a move like that and, and, and act as seller instead of buyer? Good question. I mean, I, I think look, Cashman's a smart guy. He's made made some mistakes. Who, who doesn't make some mistakes? Uh, you, uh, obviously, you, you make some guesses, and not every player works out. The thing about the Yankees is, unlike maybe any other team in baseball, they feel this uh, this burden to compete and rebuild at the same time. And, and as you know, Mark, that is that is that is a really tough assignment. You know, so unlike other teams like the Astros some years ago, the Yankees don't have the luxury. You don't feel they have the luxury because they're the Yankees to uh, wave the white flag and give up. And if you're trying to compete and build for the future, that's a really tough spot to be in. So, I, you know, I don't envy Cashman in that respect. Yeah, it's been 12 years since they won a World Series which I know to Yankee fans sometimes feels like, you know, the equivalent of, uh, you know, 12 years in Yankee world is 12 years on you know, Jupiter, which is, I think, uh, in Earth years, uh, several thousand. <laughs> I did the math a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, it, it's something ridiculous. But, you know, I try and keep it in perspective for them. And I know it's difficult, you know, when I remind everybody that, you know, the Cubs went 106 years or 108 years and the Red Sox went 86 years. And the White Sox had gone generations and, the, you know, go back to the, the Rangers at the Garden, 54 years between Stanley Cups and the Islanders are going on, you know, 40 some odd years between Stanley Cup. It, you know, it, it doesn't happen every day. The Mets have a 35th anniversary of their 86 team coming up and it just it, did I get the math right? Yeah, 30, yeah. 35 years. Uh, and it just, it, you know, it happens and, and, and 12 years isn't really. I mean, I, again, as as you know, somebody who sits and, and watches the Yankees uh, on a regular basis, but doesn't necessarily root for them. I know it's easy for me to say it's only been 12 years, but I mean, it's only been 12 years. They're the Yankees. We're the <laughs> Yankees. And and, you know, it, it's the there's a there's a like I say, there's a burden. There's a drive. There's a thirst. There's a hunger to be the best, to be be what they were you know it's, it's a high standard to live up to um 12 years feels like a 112 years right now all right as we wrap things up 
Um, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time, and I hope you don't sure. mind. What happens no. first? Yankees win a World Series or Ron Claiborne finally gets his ball? Wow. <laughs> that is a great question. I think, well, given, given my track record and the track record of, record of the Yankees over the past four or five decades, I, I would bet on the Yankees winning a World Series first. All right, it's not going well, to be this year. It's just not going to be this year. Not happening. Not not a possibility. Unlikely even next year. But but uh, I'm talking about the Yankees. <laughs> right. And myself. Well, no, I, I have confidence in you. I have faith in you, Ron Claiborne. And I think this drought of yours will probably end before the Yankees. And and if uh, if I have the opportunity to catch you at a game, I, I have. I don't know if you've seen these. They have what they call mascot gloves that yeah. I actually saw the Philly fanatic wearing uh, when the Mets were down there a couple of years ago, they happened to show uh, the fanatic on the concourse at citizens mm-hmm. bank park, wearing this giant mitt. And I was able to buy one for myself, which I actually keep in my perch at uh, Palisades credit union park up in Rockland County, where the boulders play mm-hmm. in case, you know, the, the windows are open and I have a chance to, to grab a ball. So I'm going to loan you the mascot glove. Um, if, if, if you don't mind, um, why, why do I feel like I'm being mocked? No, no I pro- I'm absolutely not. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to enhance your chances because I, as I said to okay. you before, I, I really want, no, no, I, no mockery at all. And, I, and I'm sorry if it came across that way. I, I just, I really want to, I'm joking. I, I want to be, be among the first people to tell the, the happy ending of the story too. One day, Mark, I will get that ball. And one day, the Yankees will win another world series how about if they both happen on the same day wouldn't that be something wouldn't that be something that would be that would be bliss that would be a kicker and i hope you don't give good morning america the exclusive after that you have it (laughs) you got it mark i I wasn't fishing for it but i will take it (laughs) absolutely i guarantee you ron i really appreciate the time and i've enjoyed the chat thank you so much Okay, Mark, thanks. Appreciate it. That is the great Ron Claiborne. His baseball quest will continue until further notice. I'm Mark Arnay, and you're on the mark.